Hello, welcome to the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. This Sunday, Apostle continues in the Word of His Grace series as he preaches a sermon titled Thriving in Tough Times Through Ever-Increasing Grace. The man of God teaches that as believers, we are a great light that shines in darkness and further goes on explaining how the world may be subject to tough times. However, we do not just survive, but we thrive through grace. So grab your Bibles, your pens and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Praise God. Okay, thriving in tough times through ever-increasing grace. Thriving in tough times through ever-increasing grace. Um, there's a statement I kept thinking of when preparing this sermon. It's a statement that's very famous among historians, development practitioners, and the like. And it's believed to have some Platonic origin. By Platonic, I mean Plato. But I'm not sure if it's confirmed, but it's believed to have some Platonic origin. And that statement is necessity is the mother of invention. And so the heart behind that statement is that the way human beings operate, when the going gets tough, they find a way to survive that environment. And if they're even tougher, they find a way to thrive even in that environment. Because necessity, as they say, is the mother of invention. And you can see that. Have you ever seen those videos where like, there's a little child on the bed and that child is trying to get off the bed? then they discover it's high and then they start stacking pillows on the ground. So you find they've discovered a way how to come off because at that point they needed to. I hope you're getting my point. I believe that they borrowed it from somewhere. They copied somewhere. Reason being, when you study the ways of God, you'll get to realize when you read throughout the scriptures that he has always loved to prove himself in tough moments. He has always loved to prove himself in tough moments. He likes a good fight. He's always loved to prove himself in, in tough moments. And by the way, just for those who... I, I, I believe in operational definitions, right? Maybe it's because of how I've been trained. So as we are thinking of grace, I hope you are thinking unmerited favor. I hope you are thinking divine exchange. But primarily for this sermon, you should be thinking more of unmerited favor and also thinking of um, that divine ability that God gives for purpose to be fulfilled in any moment. That's the line you should be thinking. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Okay. So now, I want you to, I, I want us to have a bit of an understanding of how God works. 
Isaiah chapter number 60 from verse 1 to 2. And you observe that verse 1 is a very popular verse. But you observe that verse 2 is not as well known as verse 1. Verse 1 is known, verse 2 not so much. So Isaiah 60 from verse 1. For behold, the darkness arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I'm not so familiar with this verse. Arise and shine, for your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. When you read such scriptures, by the way, you'll stop singing this little light of mine. Yours is little. Who told you it was a little one? Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Then afterwards he says, you are the light of the world. He didn't say a light, he said the light. So he doesn't consider it little. We get the heart behind it, but no. So it says, behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. That shows you something. The same period in which God has, has told us that there will be light is the same period he's told us there will be darkness. The same period. Notice that immediately after saying, arise and shine, the light has come. In verse 2 it says, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. And you're not being considered among the people. You're not being considered among them. What am I trying to say? That God has a tendency to want his light to shine brightest in darkest moments. That's the tendency he has. To want his light to shine brightest in darkest moments. You'll see when we go on in the scriptures. You'll see when we go, when week, week three, week four. There are certain things that you will change your thought pattern. For example, I get so many people saying, Pastor, you don't know how bad it is in my family. Everyone who marries loses their marriage in one year. Wow, that's such a good platform for God to set yours as a light. That's such a good platform. Don't you think so? Don't you think that's a good platform for God to set yours as a light? He's got a tendency for light to shine in dark places. John chapter 1. Like we did in first service, hide it. Because I believe John chapter 1 should be a memory verse. Let's read from the living epistle of our heart. One, two, three, go. Huh? The same was the same was in the beginning with God. Uh -huh. Through him and without him in him in him was life. <laughs> I can't read that verse and be still. This is not the life which Solomon described as vanity. This is not the one Solomon described as that. There is another one. The one which he says, I've come that you may have life and life in abundance. 
and he says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. Now look at the next verse. Uh -huh. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Where did the light shine? In the darkness. Where did the light choose to shine? In the darkness. If you do your research, the greatest times, the greatest times when healing ministries were birthed, if you study history, was during times of pandemics. That's the greatest times. All those you see, the F.F. Boswell's, there was a pandemic. John G. Lake, there was a pandemic. Notice, it was during times of pandemics. Those were some of the greatest times when healing ministries were birthed. The message of faith, uh, one of the modern fathers of that message is Brother Kenneth Hagin, right? He was brought up during the time of the Depression. The Great Depression. That's when he was alive. God has got this. He loves for his light to shine in darkest moments. He loves for his light to shine in darkest moments. And I will say something. I have come to realize that when things are hard, there is grace for endurance. You know that, right? How do we know? Hebrews 12 verse 1. Hebrews 12 verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, what keeps a person going? Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. By the way, that verse can really help you with every area of your life. Because sometimes, you know, I get people saying, but that one is a pastor. How come that happened to him? It's not your standard. Looking unto Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher. Never forget that. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Even Moses is not our standard when it comes to the glory of God. He's just a very good reference point. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. By the way, I've just thought about this now. The looking unto Jesus in chapter 12 comes after chapter 11 where we're given the whole faith. It comes after we're given the whole faith. That shows you that everyone who you love in the faith is a, is a very good reference point. Everyone who you love in the faith is a sign and a wonder pointing somewhere. But ultimately, what, who must we look unto? Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher. Okay? And him being the author means, yes, he can come and comfort you and find you when you're broken. Don't forget, he's not just the author. He's the finisher. So meaning, his aim is not to leave you like that. His aim is for you to be whole. Because he's not just the author. And I feel like many of us have come to know the author. But now we must also look unto him as the finisher. He that started the good work in you shall bring it unto perfection. Praise God. And now it says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So he endured because there was joy that was set before him. Now many of us may interpret this and say, okay, well, fine, then I'll endure because, you know, one day I'm going to go to heaven and every time things are rough, 
before you think about it. I will go to heaven. I don't know why it's heaven. One day and uh, and you find somebody's doing that. And by the way, those are they help us. But you find in that moment all they're trying to say is, ah, this world. And and I remember there's a song. Which song was that? I, I remember because I'm the one who led it at school. I was uh, oh, in the saints, oh, in the saints, oh, marching in, oh, marching in, oh, in the ah, doop, doop, doop. And you know, we did it like a cappella, right? And, and I remember I was the one who led this part and I sang it with such passion. That should be grade six or seven. And I've forgotten the words. I am just na 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 and everything. Marching through this world of sorrow. I'm thinking, hey, everything in you. But can I tell you something? Don't forget. It may be darkness to the people. But then that's the same place God has said your light should shine. And look at Psalm 27 and verse 30. Ooh, <laughs> as we make it springs of life. Haven't you read in the scriptures where it says, Blessed is a man whose strength is in the Lord. And it tells us when he passes through the valley of Baca, meaning weeping, it becomes springs of life. Psalm 27 verse 30, please. Praise God. Oh my. Do we have verse 30? Okay, I'm sure we have it on our screens. Psalm 27, verse 30. Somebody say glory. Say it one more time. Okay. Give me verse 13. The one who confused you. Psalm 27, verse 13. The Bible says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of God in heaven one day. No, please tell me if I'm reading it wrongly. That I would see the goodness of God in the street by and by. No, no, no. It says that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Praise God. There is your portion in the land of the living. No, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Now, let me calm myself down. Let me not go three, four weeks ahead of myself. At least you find yourself in an entanglement. Um, <laughs> You'll notice that the time Jesus was coming, because remember, Jesus is grace personified. Things were so confused on the earth. When Jesus was coming, you would think things were perfect. No. They were so confused on the earth. I, I, I can't even find words to describe the confusion that was there. I'm sure you can in your head. But I find it interesting that God chose that time to send Jesus. I find it very interesting that that's the time that he chose. Why do I say so? If you had to ask me to pick the perfect time to send Jesus, it would have been during the time of David when they conquered everyone. Or better still, the time of Solomon when Israel had rest and silver was as common as the sun. 
would have been easier. Or maybe during the time of David when the Ark of the Covenant just came back. Maybe that would have been a good time. Don't you think so? Maybe when Ezra and Nehemiah began rebuilding the walls, maybe that period. Eh? But then the time that Jesus chose to come, if you've done your uh, Bible research, you discover there is what is called the 400 years of silence. During these 400 years, there was no vision. There was no man with a revelation. And that's in between Malachi and Matthew. So after, and Malachi's prophecy was that God was going to send Elijah again. And you observe that John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah. You've read, right? He came in the spirit of Elijah. This is who, he, who it, was, it was spoken of, that he will clear the mountains. John the Baptist literally cleared the way for Jesus, prepared the way for his first coming. I don't know who here is saying, I've also been called to prepare the way for his second coming. Praise God. We are the voice. Prepare. Okay, so in between that time, there were 400 years of silence. Because what happened is that the Israelites had returned. And when the Israelites returned, uh, they angered God. One of the ways they angered God is that they disrespected the holy institution of marriage, which he said he loves. And they began marrying foreign women and serving foreign gods. That's what they were doing. And as time went by, the Israelite territory was taken over. And the Persians were in charge of the Israelite territory. The Persians. You know there's a difference between Persians and Arabs, right? For example, most people from Iran are Persian. And most people from Iraq are Arab. Praise God. Then there's also Kurds. Okay. No way. So the Persians took over. And after the Persians took over, the Syrians took over. And when the Syrians took over, they actually burnt the Holy of Holies. The same Holy of Holies we think, I enter, they burnt it. Imagine that. They burnt what was the most sacred place. Now, isn't that just, don't you think that's like saying Israel are finished? Because Israel's boast was always, our God fights for us, our God fights for us, our God fights for us. God decided, okay, since you've decided to do A, B, C, D, let me take a step back. And those guys knew that if they touch the Holy of Holies, that's it. Don't you think at that point now hope was lost? And then after the Syrians took over, still even the Egyptians came and took over. The same Egyptians. <laughs> no, stop thinking of that scripture. Stop thinking of that scripture. I know what you're thinking about. The Egyptians came and took over them. <laughs> And then after the Egyptians, the Romans came. Now, all those colonizations, can you imagine? After the Egyptians, the Romans came. Let me tell you the things that were in danger in this period. One, the language. Two, the sacred texts. The Hebrew language was in danger. As a matter of fact, to survive with some of the Old Testament, they had to translate it into Greek. And that's why we've got the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament. And then the religion was really in trouble now. And that's why by this period, there was a sect of people who rose up who were called Pharisees. And what the Pharisees believed is that apart from the written law, there were certain laws that were passed down by word of mouth. 
As I when Jesus came, he would say, you have heard it's been said, but now I say. He was correcting the teachings of the Pharisees. There was also a sect of people who were called the Sadducees. These believe that there is no resurrection of the dead. That's what, understanding how people think is important. Have you ever studied when they wanted to kill Apostle Paul? And then Apostle Paul shouted, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a son of the Pharisees. Because he knew that the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. And by doing so, he caused the Pharisees and the Sadducees to fight among themselves. You've read that, right? It's in the book of Acts. Ladies and gentlemen. What are you reading the Bible? Don't say, spending the whole day okay so now in this period of time you can imagine they've just been taken over by more than two three four territories and so in our human side and this is also the same period of time when alexander the great was really really you know it was not long not very far from the period of Alexander the Great. You would think God would choose a period when there are no famous people. But that's the same period he chose. And then he chooses that period. And we see it as that. But look at how God sees it. Galatians 4 verse 4. We see it as a bad time. And then God sees it as, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. For God, it was fullness of time. Like, okay, I mean, how many have taken over? Two. Okay, let's wait for two more. Okay, now it really looks like the odds are against us. Eh? Fine, go. And he sends his... That's the period God chose. Haven't you noticed, even when uh, God told Moses to go to the uh, king of Egypt... Firstly, how Moses had the grace to even just go there and have audience with him without being killed in itself is a miracle. And then we all know what happened. We've read in the scriptures and we've seen it dramatized. We all know that Moses uh, stood and then he told Aaron to give him a key. And then Aaron gave him a key. And then he said, let my people go. Not so. <laughs> in my head, that's what he did. <laughs> and we all know Pharaoh said, and we all know Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, no, I'm not going to let them go. Do you know that that was God's intention? He didn't want them to be let go immediately. Have you ever read? God said, I'll harden his heart. I'll make his heart hard. So that when I deal with him, you'll know that the one who dealt with him is Jehovah El Gibor. <laughs> like they'll know why they call me Jehovah El Gibor, the man of war. It was like, he's touched my firstborn. I'll harden his heart until it reaches a point where I touch his firstborn. He waited for it to be harder. No, think about this. Lazarus is sick. They came to tell Jesus, like, ah, no, no, no. Lazarus is sad. Ah, okay. <laughs> the disciples are just getting shocked. The guy is just doing whatever he's supposed to be doing. And afterwards, he says, guys, let's go wake up Lazarus. Ah, wake him up. Why? No, he's asleep. Yeah? Okay, he's dead. Let me speak it in your language. And then he goes on mother. He's like, you should have come earlier. He's like, I know what I'm doing. You should have come earlier. Listen, he'll rise. I know he'll rise again on the resurrection. And then I've got a feeling fire was in his eyes. He turned and said, what? I am the resurrection. You're, wa- <laughs> You're waiting for a day when I am here. 
know there are some of us who are waiting for that sweet by and by when we'll have peace. But he's saying, I am your peace. He's saying, I am your peace. For he himself is our peace. That's what the scripture says. We're waiting for one day when we'll sit and have wisdom. But he's saying, I am your wisdom. The Bible says Christ has become wisdom to us. Hey, let's not go far. <laughs> so what am I trying to say? The period that Jesus came in was one of the hardest periods to be a Jew. And that's the period that, and then he says, let's not even minister for 33 years. We just need three. We don't even need that many disciples in the inner circle. Just twelve. Those two of one can even betray us, it is well. Let's not choose a period when there's social media. Where if you want something to go viral all night, you can just, within an hour, you can just do something on Facebook and, <laughs> and just blabber about and entangle yourself in any issues. And within an hour, it's viral. The whole world knows about it. He says, no, let's not choose that period. Let's not choose that period. Let's choose a period when no one will ever take a photo of me. That's why I've just seen there's so many people debating his color totally. If he wanted a photo taken of himself, he would have taken it. He would have come in our period. There would have been a selfie. People would have had selfies with him. Clearly, he doesn't care about that. I forget my point. Is he white? Is he black? You know, you think I care. <laughs> my goodness. And someone can sit and argue about that. It's not white or black. It was a Jew. <laughs> it was not European. It was Jewish. So how did he look? Probably like a Jew. But one thing I can tell you, his blood was red. So, let's continue. <laughs> Praise God who are saved by his blood, not his complexion. Eh? Now, as we speak, his hair is white. That's what the Bible tells us. John, John met him and his hair was white. So I don't know whether he changes color every now and then. Clearly, it's okay. I don't know if you're getting my point. John even struggled to recognize him. <laughs> we waste our time with things sometimes. And he, he picks three years. In those three years, ministers. And then when he resurrects, he decides not to appear in the temple. He appears privately to people and tells them, go tell people. Now, I want you just to sit and think about this. Here I am, I'm in Zambia, which used to be called Northern Rhodesia. Before that, I don't know if we had a name. And somehow, over 2,000 years, I believe that a Jewish man was born of a virgin I've never met. And a Joseph, I don't even know how he looks like. And he was born in Bethlehem. And there have been billions of people in the world who've, who've died. Billions firstly who've, who've been born. But his birth, somehow I sing and dance on the day that I we've selected <laughs> for that. And then somehow there have been billions of people in the world who've died. But his death, his death. And then I confessed him as my Lord and everything about me changed. The way I think, everything I do changed. What are the odds? What are the odds? 
Ladies and gentlemen, this gospel has survived things. Think about it. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus leaves the gospel with them. In Acts chapter 2, they start speaking in tongues and people get saved. Acts chapter 3, they raise someone. Acts chapter 4, they're before the Sanhedrin. And when they're before the Sanhedrin, they're threatened over this very gospel. And they endure the threatenings. They go back to their companions. And together with their companions, they didn't mourn, they prayed. And when they prayed, God increases the grace. Now, I want you to see verse 35 of Acts chapter 5. Verse 35 of Acts chapter 5. Gamaliel says to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. Talking about the disciples. Uh-huh. For some time ago, Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. Oh my goodness, I says a number of men, about 400, joined him and he was slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. Uh-huh. And after this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men. Leave them alone. For, this plan, for if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. That shows you that when you study history, whatever men have done, which has been of men, has always got it. It's always got an ending point. It's always got somewhere it's ended. The greatest empires in the world have all crashed. Who would have known the Soviet Union would have crashed? Who would have known the Roman Empire would have, would have, would have crashed? Who would have known that? Do you know that even the Britons were slaves at some point? Oh, do your history your history. Why do you think they what are the name of those guys? Vikings. Why do you think they are in, 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 in the theater? Why do you think they are made to look like savages? There's something the Vikings did to them. That's good to your history. Now, let's go on. But it says, uh-huh. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it. Least you'll be found to fight against God. I feel pity for anyone who's risen, who's risen up to be an enemy of your destiny. Maybe that's why the Bible says pray for your enemies. Because if it is of God and they are fighting, God has got a habit. You know what he does? He likes to prepare a table in the presence of your enemies. I'm telling you. People will swallow their words. Those who say all these prayer, prayer, prayer things that you're always doing. These fasting, fasting, fasting things that you're always doing. Be like us. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> God is saying thank you. And you're going to see later on when we look into scripture that grace has got the ability to employ what was meant for your evil and use it for your good. That's why you must be careful because you can create doctrines if you're not careful. You can stand before people and say, if you've never passed through this, you can never do this. Little did you know that it's grace which just employed it. Look at 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. For though our outer man perish, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. Now verse 17 says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, you see, for those who would like to be introduced to the kind of life I live, when you start going to the gym, what happens is this. 
the first days, it's a little painful. Okay? It's a little painful. You're lifting and lifting, and it's almost like you're hurting yourself. But you know what's happening? It's working for you. It's working for you. Before you know it, you're bowed up. You're bowed up. And suddenly, you can carry things that previously you couldn't carry before. What am I trying to say? Grace has the ability to employ even what was supposed to harm you and use it for your good. That's why you find some of the greatest healing ministers in the early part of their life, you find maybe they were not well. That doesn't mean that for you to be a great healing minister, then you should have experienced sickness. But it just shows that grace was able to get what was supposed to harm them and use that and cause compassion in their life. That's what it shows. Grace is able to use that. You find some of the people who sponsored the most people to school. There was a point maybe where they had struggled with sponsorship for their school. That shows you something. Grace is able to employ even that which was meant to defeat you. That which was supposed to cause you not to trust people. That which was supposed to cause you to hate people. Grace is able to get it and cause you to be the most loving person in the world. Light shines in dark times. And listen, earlier I talked about how you can survive in hard times. You can endure. But there's also grace for enjoyment. What am I trying to say? You know, you greet people. Sometimes they're like, how are you doing? It's just by the grace of God. When you hear that, you just know things are rough. The same grace that has been sufficient for you to be happy or having one new a day. There's more to it. That grace can work for you to, to have. That grace has got this thing about it called abundance. Because you said, I've come that you may have life and life in abundance. What am I trying to say? God sent me here today to shift you from surviving to thriving. I'll say that again. From surviving to thriving. Where you're not just surviving. No. It's too much of surviving. God wants you to thrive. Some of us have been fighting for so long. It's always a struggle. For you, by the time, you're, by the, time the thing is getting done, then ha. Ah, but there's a period. Yes, there's a season where you're like David and you keep fighting and fighting. But have you ever read what the Bible says about Solomon? The Bible says in the days of Solomon there was rest. And Jesus said, come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. There's someone this morning who God has shifted to a period of rest. Hey, I thought you'd receive that with tongues. I said you've been shifted to a period of rest. Now, over the next few weeks, I'll continue sharing with you. And for those of us who are a bit more educated spiritually, you will know that every time something is shared, that word of his grace doesn't just build you up, but it also sets you up for a platform for you to receive your portion among those who are sanctified. So that when we're giving examples of people who are blessed, we'll not just be talking about Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. We'll be talking about Christina, Chilufia, Michael, Grace, Jango, Elijah, Kevin, Mwape, all of you. I don't know if you get it, my friend. Why didn't you say your name? <laughs> Come on, say it out loud. <laughs> I was talking about those I could see in front. But I'm <laughs> someone like Pastor. <laughs> I'll say it in tongues. Praise God. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is every time you hear a word like this, it positions you to receive from it. It positions you. Never forget that. Praise God. Let's give him thanks. You are blessed. 
May the Lord prepare a table before you. Every voice that has spoken against you is refuted. May the grace of God increase on your life. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's begin. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the communion of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. Surely. Goodness and mercy. And I will dwell. <laughs> Praise God. Um, there is someone's chest that just got decongested. And the Lord says it's permanent. The Lord says it's permanent. It's permanent. Somebody give the Lord a shout. blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the City of the Lord Church on plus 2609537560 or plus 2609774746 if you are unable to call us, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on the Facebook page at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.